Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Bob on the Popcorn. I'm Emily. And I'm Alessandra. And today, we have... Two movies that we're going to be uh, talking with you about uh, that happen to have been nominated for Oscars today because the Oscar nominations came out. Um, All Quiet on the Western Front and Tar. Yeah, just to give you an idea of when uh, when we watched, like, when we recorded this is uh, right when they came out. So, um, yeah, two uh, Best Picture nominees here. Actually, uh, sure are. Yeah, I mean, All Quiet was yeah. nominated, right, for Best Picture? Yeah, yeah, yeah both of these were. Amazing. Yeah, I, I, I still have them up. Let me see. Yeah, yeah. the, the yeah. very first one on the list, because uh, it starts with the yeah. May. <laughs> uh, which one do you want to talk about first? Um, Let's do All Quiet, because I think I watched that one first. Same. All right. Um, This is, this is the, um, this is the token war film for the oscars yeah um because alessandra says a war film always has to be nominated (laughs) yeah they're always uh, so serious so they have that tone that uh you know that people like yeah and uh and obviously um all Quiet on the Western Front uh a lot of us know this as uh one of the books we had to read in high school I did not remember anything about this book. I honestly don't even know if I read it. Um, but yeah, I uh, also you, you you said you read it. You said you liked it. Yes, I did. Yeah, I did read it. Um, totally remember reading it. I think it was in two thousand nine. Um, and it was summer. It was a summer read, and I remember some things about it. I remember learning what a louse was. Which is the singular mm. lice. Um, okay. I do remember the friends being kind of picked off one by one. And I do remember the main character dying right before the end of the war. Um, I remember that pretty clearly. And uh, and then, of course, watching this kind of reminded me of the various things in the book. Like, especially that scene where he's in the hole with a guy and he stabs him and the guy will will not stop gurgling and in the book he's like kind of driven mad as well so i remember that scene um but you know the other stuff was just a bunch of war stuff and i didn't really know what was going on so much in the in you know the ninth grade so uh i wasn't like picturing it as much i think as as seeing it on the screen yeah i think a lot of those books they made us read they made us read like back in high school some of them were some of them were hard to like imagine while you're while you're reading it or or at least I, I just wasn't actively trying because I can't 
I, I have to be imagining things while I'm reading. And if I'm not doing that, I'm not paying attention. And I'm just, I'm just reading the words, but not actually like taking them in. So I feel like maybe that's kind of what happened with this book. Cause I don't know the, the part, the part with the, with the whole, with the, with like the crater definitely seemed familiar. Um, and even the part with the guy in the fork, like that, maybe. But that was towards the very end. And I'm sure I didn't read this book. <laughs> I'm, sh I'm sure. Yeah. Like all the way through. I I'm sure I maybe got like halfway through it. Maybe. Um, but. Yeah, you know, we've watched a lot of World War One adaptations. And, you know, uh, 1917 being one of them. But this is definitely a... A group of people, not just like, you know, the, in, in 1917, it's like within 24 hours. This one's within like two years um, following yeah. the end of the war. And also it's from the German perspective, which I don't remember if the book is like that, but it's definitely a wonderful way to see this group of kids like and their like powerlessness in, in the army and the the like real camaraderie that they felt just in the hopelessness of their situation and I thought that the direction and the writing like the screenplay was nominated for adaptive screenplay it is it is really good and really well done um pretty much everything about this movie is like beautiful and, and horrible at the same time you know um exactly I I think I was in a in, in a good mood to watch this movie you know for how devastating it is but um, you know, there are, there are some lighter parts, as you said, you know, the, the, the group of soldiers that kind of all become friends and kind of stick together. They, they really have great chemistry and you can tell they all really love each other and they're just trying to survive this war together. And yeah, I thought this movie was, was really good. Like I'm really not into war films, mm -hmm. but I actually liked this one. Um, it was like the pacing of it was really good. I liked all the viewpoints we got, you know, mm -hmm. we got the horrible like trench warfare from the soldier's perspective. And then we got like the hoity toity, like, you know, upper sergeants and colonels and, you know, generals and stuff like doing all the back end negotiations, trying to stop this war. Cause mm -hmm. you know, tons of people are dying and you're just seeing all these crazy stark differences about, you know, the different aspects of this war um, and, and all the atrocities about it. And, and kind of everything coming full circle. Like in the very beginning of the movie, we have, we see a ton of soldiers die. We see their uniforms get taken and get washed and fixed and then, and then given out to new, to new recruits to basically die. Mm -hmm. Like it's just, it was very powerful and, and very sad, but, but very beautiful. It's, it was, it was really good. And then, yeah. And then seeing the guy die at the end, I was like, what? <laughs> he was, I was yeah. so mad. I was like, yeah. no, he was right there just because that stupid guy wanted one last fight and i was like you ass oh god that was so bad was yeah so and it bad. was like a real i mean that was a thing that actually happened i read that um it was like four thousand people died on the last day of the war um the last 15 minutes of the war yeah it was like the last six hours Jesus. like absolute um completely nonsensical uh, death, needless death, um, and and the whole war was a complete farce as well. I mean, it was just, it, it was so horrendous and so horrible, and so many people lost their lives that it just was like one of those things that 
it of course it changed the course of the way that the world worked after this um and you can see it just very clearly with those guys and i d- i love that comment that you said that it just comes full circle and i did know that paul was killed at the end so uh i think it would have been more shocking to me you know obviously not knowing that um because it's very sad and the way he dies is just it's so horrible and um the way all of his friends die and you know it really just felt it was good it was an amazing movie I'm really glad that it was made. Um, glad it's got nominated for so many Oscars. Um, and it was on Netflix, so we could watch it very easily. <laughs> yeah, this is this is accessible to a lot of people to watch. I highly suggest you watch it. It was it was very good. Very good. I'm glad it also got nominated for we kind of did like a quick little um Oscar nominations first reactions from me because I hadn't looked at them all day. <laughs> yeah. Um if, if you uh, notice that episode got released, definitely go check it out. But I was really glad to see this. I don't normally notice sound um, unless unless the music or the sounds are like very noticeable. Mm-hmm. And the sounds were very noticeable in this, like with the with the crazy, like, I don't even know what instrument this was, but it was like, like that in the beginning. Like those were crazy. And then they had some other sounds too, like there'd be. They're not ticking, but I think there'd be, there was something else. Um, there were some other sounds that would kind of come out of nowhere. And I'm like, oh, it was like a little unsettling and like a little like interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I really liked the the music for this movie. It was great. Yeah. And, you know, not to mention the, yeah, the sound and the, the editing with it um, is just really, really remarkable. Really like top of their game people that these germans who made this movie um (laughs) really really is quite great and you know they really put everything into this (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i also like to see the makeup and hairstyling get nominated as well um you know that is a really big part of of world war one is just the the depravity of these people and like the the gauntness of of the soldiers and their everything you know even down to like what their teeth looked like and you know all the oh, mud gosh, on their faces like, and were, all that yes yeah i i loved the main actor the guy that played paul he just would get all this gunk on his face and i'm just like Ugh, but just it was so such yeah. a trooper <laughs> and he, he always had like a really kind of like you could see when it flash forwarded um like a year and a half that his face got so much gaunter and like you could see the lines running down his face and the you know the, yes the, thin he, he yeah. got so skinny yeah apparently the actor also got super skinny like he it says in one of the um the trivias here that he um was let's see um Oh, uh, Felix Kammerer, the lead, mm-hmm. uh, to yeah. fit his body to the role, had to put on a 10 kg vest and run 10 kilometers with it every day for months. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That's insane. Yeah. The set, it's like it says one of the trenches locations took up a space that was a kilometer long and 600 meters wide. Oh, my God. That's oh, crazy. 
Yeah. Oh, goodness. All that no man's land that they were running across and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, we have seen a lot of a lot of World War One adaptations that, or at least illusions in, you know, again, uh, our beautiful, wonderful young Indiana Jones Chronicles. He's in the war, so we get to see some of this. Um, yeah, sure do. Of course, it's like the TV budget version, but um, same with Down Abbey again, the, the TV budget version. Uh, but, you know, I think 1917 was kind of the, the closest thing to the, the realism that this movie felt like. Um, but of course, that yeah. was a completely different story and completely different shot. Um, but it did make me think of that. And Danny and I were watching this movie together and I was like, Danny, you got to see 1917 because if you like this movie, that movie was like, oh, I think about yeah. that sometimes. 1917 was, <laughs> was, was really, if, if I had to, if I had to list on, on two fingers, my two, my two favorite war movies, it's probably 1917 and maybe this movie i don't know i don't know there might there might there might be there might be another war movie that i like better but we'll see <laughs> that's uh, yeah that's very true um it says i there, don't have a top five <laughs> that's definitely i don't have top five there was an all quiet on the western front that won the 1930 yeah, version, right? best picture oscar um <gasps> i want to watch that <laughs> yeah <laughs> And it, there was also another one in 1979, but it also wasn't nominated or anything. And it's, it is also said to be the most expensive German film in the history of Netflix. Oh. So, I guess Netflix. Of Netflix, really? I guess so. I mean, that makes sense More to me. What are they making? <laughs> <laughs> that was a TV show. Sense Eight was their most expensive. Oh, oh, I bet it was. Now. I bet it was. That was a really expensive TV show. Um. Yeah. So if this movie yeah, so, wins, so the nineteen thirties one was also a German film. Um, no, it wasn't. No. But the okay. it did win Best Picture in nineteen thirty. So I mean, if this one wins, I, I mean, it's possible. I'm not saying it's not. It's dominating for Best Picture. So uh, ninety one Metascore. Damn, we gotta watch this. <laughs> okay. All right. Sorry, I didn't make you it watch on, it. We should rent it on Amazon. Look at that. We'll get back to you about that one. This movie's old. It should be free. It's so true. <laughs> get out of here. I wish. God, anything, anything, anything 1950s and older should just be free. Well, actually, I think a lot of stuff, I think 1927, if I'm not mistaken, is in the public domain this year. So mm. every year every year gets put into the public domain and I'm not really sure because some things are still being owned that are that old, but I, I'm pretty sure that even if it gets to be that old, it just becomes in the public domain at some point. <laughs> so, yeah. um, okay. Well, well, all right. Yeah. Um, yeah, just, you know, shout out to all these German actors. They were cute. Um, and it was great to see Daniel Brühl in here, um, who had a really, you know, integral role. Yeah. Uh, it's like, hey, this guy. <laughs> his emotion was really good for the, like, kind of stoicism that he was trying to, you know, 
an act, like you were saying, with the hoity-toityness of everything. And um, But he had lost his own son in, in the war, so there was that element to it. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was really nice to good. see him on on kind of a good side. He was trying to stop this war, and you know, some he usually he kind of plays like a like a bad guy or like a like a creep, right? That guy. Yeah, he's always a or mean okay. German dude, or he's you know he yeah. was also in you know like uh, Captain America: Civil War and you know the uh, Cap. Oh yeah, the guy who was trying to yeah trying to take over Bucky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's just always some mean, like, scary German dude. (laughs) Yeah. He wasn't this time. No. He was a a nice German dude. (laughs) Doing his best. Um, All right. Was there any other cool trivia? uh, Not really. I mean, you know, just war stuff. Okay. Let's see. Any taglines? No, I don't see any taglines. All right. You know what I loved? The... I loved the character of um, Cat because he was always... Yeah. He, I think he's my favorite. And he was always like just saying these really poetic things. And some of his lines were just like so, so well done. You know, just, just kind of talking about, like, the fragility of life and stuff like that and, like, continuing on and just keep going. And, like, it was really good. He he really, like, to, to me, like, really tied this movie up. Like, and when he died so stupidly, it was just, like. It was heartbreaking. Yeah, it's just, it was so heartbreaking. And I do also remember that in the book as well, actually. I think I remember that. Um yeah, I just really liked yeah. him. And he was the one who was kind of helping Felix at first in the, or helping Paul, Paul. in the trenches as well. Like he was like, you yeah. know, keep your head down and giving him all the, all the tips and tricks, which again, kind of going full circle, Paul was kind of doing the same thing, like looking out for that, for that young recruit who had kind of just come out mm-hmm. when the war was ending, mm-hmm. um, trying to help him kind of survive um, right at the very ends of the war, but yeah, I really liked Cat a lot, and the fact that he couldn't read and he mm-hmm. wanted to read his letters from his wife it was so cute. He was yeah, cute. yeah, great, great heart in this movie. Um, yeah, yeah. All right, plot keywords are we got that. you got them. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll get him when we get him. You always get him. I know, but it sounded like you were going to say him, so I was pausing. Oh. Um, okay. What? Oh, oh. We got. Okay. We got World War One. Year 1918. Trench warfare. Flamethrower. Those fucking flamethrowers, oh, dude. Scary. Crazy. Crazy. And then the tanks. Oh, my God. Yeah, that tank scene was crazy. When that tank just like just ran over someone, I was like, "My goodness!" And then, uh, and then, no man's land. Uh, those are the plot keywords. Yeah, I uh, I actually thought this movie was going to be more graphic, uh, body horror wise, and it wasn't. I mean, the some of the worst things were like that guy hanging from the tree, uh, the guy getting crushed by a tank, um, but most of it was like you know getting shot and. Um, kind of part, bloated body got me 
yeah, it wasn't it wasn't that bad, uh, gore wise. Um, but the part that kind of got me, which was um, uh, Paul, I think was walking up on. Uh, I think it was after the first battle, and like a lot, a lot of the soldiers died, especially his friend with the with the glasses. With the glasses, um, oh, Albert, I think. Was God. Um, he was, I think. And I think the guy with the glasses had like lost a leg and his like bone was sticking out. And that's, that's, oh yeah. That's when I kind of was like, like a little bit, I was like, oh, don't look. And I had to like kind of close my eyes a little bit. I don't like seeing bones. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That point, at that point it gets too real. (laughs) I don't want to, I don't want to see your insides on the outside. You know what I mean? I don't want to see your insides on the outside, please. Um, okay, this movie got a 76 Metascore, which honestly is kind of low. I I really do think it deserves higher than that. Um, it's got 30 positive (laughs) reviews, five mixed reviews, and zero negatives. There's only two 100s on here. Um, and the lowest are 350s. So it's not like it's like that low. Considering how many 100s fucking what 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 movie what movie got got too many 100s? Um, I don't know. I can't. Babylon. I don't Babylon. Know. I Babylon. Yes, that was the was one. It? <laughs> What's the one? We got too many 100s. It Come really on, did. give a give a couple give a couple to all crowd the western. Uh, Come on. Come on. All right, let's go down here. Um. So the lowest we've got. Really, there's more 50s than 100s? Shut up. All right. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, which one? Which one? Mm, No. Mm, I guess I'll do the Wall Street Journal. Um, Fully understanding the war, who does, may not be may not be understand sorry may not be necessary in appreciating the disturbing moving and sometimes too beautiful production but that production certainly puts a teutonic tweak on history sometimes to outrageous effect okay that's kind of what the roger ebert one said too it was uh it's like filmmakers have arguably lost the plot turning war as hell into can you top this competition into a Okay. Hmm. I don't know about that. Yeah. I don't. I don't agree with that. Um, I'm gonna read the film stage sixty-seven, coupling a minimalist, albeit albeit loud and thumping score by Volker Volker Bertelman, and a cold, unfeeling color scheme by cinematographer James Friend gives a menacing, unwaveringly serious savagery to director Edward Berger's aesthetic. Danger and imminent violence are palpable even when there is hardly any action on screen. Hardly any action? Yeah, everybody's saying there's, like, a lot of, like, duller moments in this movie. Like, not enough warfare, I guess. And, like, I don't, I mean... I mean, part of the book also what war is it's a, it's a lot of sitting and waiting and oh it's so true and, emily <laughs> you know it's, not, it's 
I've seen other war films. Another war, other war films are like exactly like this. Well, the why, book is why, like why that. Why are you shitting on this one? I know. I'm like the war is like that. Yeah, you just wait to die. Like <laughs> you wait to die. You wait to fight, and you wait to die. They they like, yeah. Oh, in the book so they mean. just get moved from one place to the other. Like the whole book. Like there's not really as much trench warfare in it. I don't think it's kind of just like talking about um you know like. The girls that the one guy runs off with and, like, wishing that they could touch a woman ever again. You know, that kind of stuff. And yeah, it really just makes more sense because they are just sitting around and and being friends and stealing gooses and stuff. (laughs) And especially, like, at the very end, the, the, like, little information tidbits that come up at the end, like, they spent... The entire war, like fighting over, like this small area of land, mm-hmm. like they just kept they just kept going back and forth on who had, who had um, the territory. What's it called? Yeah, like who had the territory, and they just went back and forth the entire time. Like it was a complete waste of time, and it's a lot of sitting, and waiting, to die. The uh, the scene where they go to that uh, manufacturing place and they see the all the guys who died of the gas just in that one room and it's like they took off their gas mask too soon and they all died it was just horrendous yeah. it, was, it was so horrific yeah um, and it was it was especially like heartbreaking at first because you know these boys are you know trying to join this war paul signs signs his like forges his parents signature when he didn't even get permission to go because he just wanted to go to probably be a hero and be with his friends like oh his friends are going so i want to go like i want to want to be a hero and 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 finish this war um and just how just seeing how naive everyone was to their own detriment and it's just yeah it's I'm disappointed. I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed in <laughs> in the powers that be that 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 let these people fight and die. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the IGN kind of uh, kind of hits that on the head. It says it's a ninety. All quiet on the Western Front is just as bleak as you might imagine, with an unflinching examination of the horrors of war. It's a brutal, exhausting, and raw reminder of the evil humanity is capable of inflicting upon each other, and it couldn't be more timely. It's the ultimate anti-war war film. That's what film.com says. It's, like, so incredibly, like, anti-war because <laughs> it's futility. Um, yeah. And that's how you feel Completely. at the end. You're just like, this is so fucked up. <laughs> Everything's so You're fucked like, Great. up. <laughs> this, this was all for nothing and it's wow um and the observer 100 says while not as showy as sam mendes's sweeping single shot takes in 1917 this is remarkable if harrowing filmmaking moments of striking beauty sunlight carved into exultant rays by skeletal winter trees are almost as shocking and disquieting as the scenes of suffering yeah it's an amazing that's nice observer yeah Okay, is that all quiet? nice description there. Yeah, I think so. Want to take a quick break before we move on to Tar? Yes. All right. 
Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, we are back with Tar. Oh my God. Yes. By Todd Field. <laughs> Starring Kate Blanchett. Kate Blanchett. Um, I have not was this, seen anything this, this guy has done before. Yeah, I'm looking at his. I'm looking at his page to see because this this name doesn't sound familiar to me. I watched one um, episode of that Carnival series um, once. That's all I got. Oh, I think it was on okay. HBO. Yeah. Hmm. Haven't seen anything um, by this person. Was this was this based off of someone in particular, or is this just is this just original? I think it. Original? I think it's. Um, not specific. Okay. As far as I know, it's not like Glass Onion specific. You know. Uh huh. But I think she's a amalgamation. Tar is original screenplay. Yeah, it's original screenplay. So it's definitely not like yeah. directly based on someone. What I'm saying is just like influenced by maybe somebody's life or something. Um, it seemed pretty, oh. you know, singularly original to me. But of course, she is kind of an amalgamation of people, uh, problematic people in power. In a, in a way. For sure. For sure. This, uh, so I don't think I saw any trailers, um, about this movie. I just was kind of hearing about it, hearing that, you know, Kate Blanchett did like an amazing job in this movie. It was probably like one of her best roles I've been hearing. Um, so I don't, and I, and I knew it was like about conducting in some way. That was, I think that was about as far, that was as far as my knowledge went. Um, but, um, but yeah, I thought this movie was, was very enjoyable. Lydia Tarr, the character, uh, Kate Blanchett plays is, um, is, uh, quite a piece of work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it starts off it's the movie really about like talking about her, all of her achievements as a, as a conductor and musical artist. Right. It's, it's, yeah, it's really about, I mean, she, she's, she's already risen, but it's basically about like the rise and fall of this, of this person. Like, and yeah but it's it's really not as it's not like as cut as dry as that as well like i feel like it's just such a gray area movie like there's not 
you know, the things that you think are going to happen in this movie don't happen. You know, it's like the situations are so insular. It's all all very vague. (laughs) It's not very clear about like, like I watched this with my roommate and they had to pull up a summary of this movie because there were some parts where we were like, why did this happen? What did this mean? Like this this movie really did not baby step you at all and you um you really had to um you really had to to fight to hang on like <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i think you know like but... you're you're holding on tight in this windstorm you're you're holding on to that palm tree <laughs> gosh yeah so true Yeah, and I, you know, it's ambiguity in that way is kind of like good because you know I don't really like it when movies are spoon feeding you what to think. So to me, this was kind of a nice. I like it when they're just like things that people are doing, but I also liked the surrealist aspects of this movie. I think that's kind of like the the semi horror surrealism that folded out of Tar's like eventual mental drain uh you know like yeah kind of when she was like hearing things in her apartment and she was thinking that someone was like for a while I I thought that someone was breaking in and like and like keeping her awake but but eventually it kind of just seemed like it was maybe her guilt or maybe just you know something something was like she was the one keeping herself up yeah Um, the guilt of like being the reason why that girl killed herself um and seeing her everywhere and then kind of like seeing representations of death like that black dog thing that she saw in that like decrepit um building that she went down into uh you know it, it was like a strange uncomfortableness and even her daughter was just such an uncomfortable child to like be around in a movie like she was just like so creepy <laughs> like you know petra yeah petra like she would like sing but she didn't really act like a child and like she like found her like hiding behind the windows humming something at one point and you know it's just kind of got all this like stuff in possibly tar's mind to make the viewer uh possibly get into the mental state of somebody like this uh somebody who's a genius and a tortured artist and uh an, an abuser of others and their and their talents and their like youth and beauty as well and so yeah because they basically had to do because we kind of learn so basically the the accusations that arise are that she took advantage of some of her uh proteges that were in her program Mm -hmm. and 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 we're kind of off and then we kind of hear about like we're we're given things in very like little tidbits here and there throughout the movie like we hear that she would give people favors or she she make promises to people that she that that she favored um if they would like do stuff for her Mm -hmm. and and we kind of find out later that she sort of did a similar thing like with her wife that she ends up marrying like they yeah. Like their relationship was kind of part of mutual like advantage, it seems, or you know may- maybe more like one sided advantage from basically the notoriety that Tar that Lydia got from marrying um, her wife Sharon. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and like Sharon but, being the kind yeah. of character that was like, you know, you can do whatever you want. You just have to tell me about it. And like Tar's like ability to flirt with other girls and like Lydia just kind of being like, yeah, like I'm your sounding board. You're the one I you trust me no matter what. And when you're not talking to me, it means that something is wrong, you know? Yeah. It's an interesting, like, relationship that they have. But Tar is also, like, in a position of power uh, over her her wife, even. So. Right. It's kind of, yeah. like, an interesting... There's a lot of dynamics going on. And especially with her, her um, assistant, Francesca. Who's played by Noemi Morlant, who you remember from uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I sure do. Uh, we were actually like the second, the second I, I didn't really recognize her at first. Like I, I was like, she looked a little familiar, but I was like, eh, nothing, nothing was. And, uh, and then Casey immediately said like, she looks familiar. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, and then I kept looking at her and I was like, she does look familiar. And then I was like. Casey, did you figure it out? And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, I don't know either. You need to tell, you need to tell me who it is. And then, and then I think a, like shortly after that, I was like, why do I keep thinking of a portrait of a lady on fire? And Casey was like, yes, that's where she's from. Yeah. <laughs> so I figured that out. That was fun. Um, and she also was clearly like in love with, with Lydia as well. And, and, yes, and, and, yes, I saw that. Yeah, but she was also like recording her and stuff. Um, and I guess kind of involved with possibly the other people who were involved with Lydia or something like that. It was so vague. So like, yeah, you, you didn't yeah. know. So the movie starts, the movie starts with, with yeah, this camera being pointed at her and, and it's like a live it's like a live video message. Like it, it wasn't like an Instagram live or like a TikTok live. Like there weren't tons of people looking. It was just like someone had a live video going and then someone was texting at the same time. Yeah. And they kept saying like, how is she doing? Um, And then they just, and then you didn't really know who it was because um, they never showed you who it was. But, but you think it was, um, what was her name? Francesca. But then later when she took um what was the name of the of the celloist that came in uh oh olga olga yeah when she took olga to like new york for her book reading um it seemed like olga was the one or just someone else in the audience was doing it like i don't know someone that seemed like someone was following her or something but no on the plane it had to be someone who was with her no i think it was francesca and i think like Okay. I think it was a group of people who had eventually come forward to tell the world how they felt, like what Lydia had done to them. And it was a group right. of women. And they were all like yeah. banding against Lydia. But it also, you know, kind of felt like it could have all possibly been in Lydia's head. So, you know, it's it's like yeah, not quite really... clear. <laughs> <laughs> I never saw it that way. Yeah, I guess it was. Uh, yeah, again, it was because yeah, you were seeing it as as this like surreal, like could be like the 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 parts where it was like all 
dark and there were like those those white faces mm-hmm. kind of showing mm-hmm. through like Dancing like yes that like, part yeah. yeah yeah like when she and also when she was kind of dreaming like there was the part where like the the bed was hovering over the river in um mm-hmm. wherever she was at probably one of the places that she visited um to study the the sounds of the music of of those people and so like yeah but I, I guess I didn't really pay attention to that. I just thought it was like a dream or, um, but yeah. But you think the part with the dog, like, was never real? Like, Olga didn't even go in there? I don't even know. Like, I don't, it's not very clear. <laughs> it's not, it's not clear. And you're constantly thinking about this character and wondering if you should feel bad for her or not. Or if you're sympathetic to her. And Kate Blanchett does a really good job of that. And I think that the ambiguity of it makes you, you know, think about the ways that we talk about and analyze people today who, you know, probably are bad people and you should not support them. So it's kind of yeah. like the, uh, it's like the can- cancel culture response of ambiguity in a movie. <laughs> you know um yeah and those are like the themes of 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 lydia as a person um and it's it's just not that clear either it's not like cut and dry and i think that's what makes it a better screenplay than if it was like um a a more straightforward story because like that ending was really weird and it just ends like the movie just ends <laughs> yeah so yes so when my when casey was looking up the summary of the movie because you know we you know yeah it, it just after she attacks that guy at the at the live concert it just yeah. kind of goes dark and then she's in another country um and and you see her kind of going through a whole new process of something. And they were like, okay. And then she's doing the, and then a bunch of people in costumes are like, what's happening? And then we read in the summary that she started doing music for a video game. And there was like a live audience, like event mm-hmm. that like fans of the video game could come and cosplay <laughs> and come view the, 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 the score. It was interesting. Yeah, and then it was like, oh, I guess, I guess this is her falling from grace that she's only doing things in, in other countries where no one really cares what she's done. Um, I mean, she was already in other countries doing stuff at the, <laughs> the, well, I guess because it was it was happening there, because like because that's where the school was that she was teaching as well, right? Or would she travel to Berlin to do the the concert stuff and then she was going to wasn't she going to like Juilliard and teaching? Yeah so I think that was only just like a uh, guest a guest speaker um, or guest teaching so she would like live in Berlin and then would like go teach a little bit at Juilliard whenever she felt like it and whenever she was in New York or something Um, but she lived and like worked in Berlin yeah with the with the Berlin uh, orchestra okay yeah this movie was this movie was good i'll give it that 
Will I watch it again? Probably not. Was it interesting to kind of like watch the conducting process and like the, the, the concert, you know, rehearsal process? Yeah. I, f- I found those scenes very interesting. Um, but yeah, it was very smart and it kind of like went over my head a little bit sometimes. Yeah. I think that was kind of the point too. Like, I feel like there was so much, um, especially in the beginning of the movie, a ton of discussions between intellectuals and using jargon yeah. of, of conducting that not, nature. That not many people. <laughs> that not many <laughs> people that would really care to know. I mean, it's really just, it, it's just kind of all ridiculous. And like, obviously there's people who have conversations like that in this world. Um. For sure. Uh, But like, it just, it doesn't make any sense to the average person, right? Like, if you don't know anything about conducting, it's just, it's just words. And and so a lot of it is kind of watching Cate Blanchett just kind of interacting and like watching her as, as, as a person just kind of moving in a space, moving as a conductor, um, you know, what she's wearing, how she's dressed, which has her hair, like all this stuff. So because everything else is so much more difficult to understand, you're really focusing on her and her and her performance. Um, yeah, and I really think <clears throat> Kate was a was a great actor to put in this spot because again, she's so she's she was so mesmerizing. Like, yes, I I didn't have a clue of what they were talking about a majority of the time, but like, yeah. it was still so fun to watch her, like just just be this character and and those and those you know confusing snooty intellectual conversations like really really helped kind of define her character that that scene where she was kind of picking on that that student at Juilliard is that that was all one long take wasn't it I don't I don't think I saw any cuts yeah I guess it was I think it I think it was one long continuous shot oh my God. from from the top. And she just did that whole monologue, like that whole thing in like one take. <laughs> I know. It's unbelievable. She's an amazing actress. She could win best best actress for this, <clears throat> for sure. Yeah. Um, there's this awesome Martin Scorsese quote here in the trivia that I think is kind of great because it it's got a lot to say about this movie and i think he does a good job analyzing it here obviously it's Martin scorsese so he says um for so long now so many of us see films that are pretty much let us know where they're going i mean they take us by the hand and even if it's disturbing at times sort of comfort us along the way that it will be all okay in the end now this is insidious as one can get lulled into this and ultimately get used to it leading what those of us who've experienced cinema in the past as much more than that to become despairing of the future of art form, especially for younger generations. But that's on dark days. The clouds lifted when I experienced Todd's film, Tar. What you've done, Todd, is that the very fabric of the movie that you've created doesn't allow this. All the aspects of cinema and the film that you've used attest to this. The shift in locations, for example, the shift in locations alone do what cinema does best, which is reduce space and time to what they are, which is nothing. You make it so that we exist in her head. We experience only through her perception. The world is her. Time, chronologically, and space, 
become the music that she lives by, and we don't know where the film's going. We just follow the character on her strange, upsetting road to her even stranger final destination. Now what you've done, Todd, is a real high-wire act, as all of this is conveyed through masterful mise-en-scene, as controlled, precise, dangerous, precipitous angles, and edges geometrically kind of chiseled into wonderful 2-3-5 aspect ratio of frame compositions. The limits of the frame itself and the provocation of measured long takes all reflecting the beautiful, the brutal architecture of her soul, Tar's soul. Wow. I'm not going to say that we just said a lot of what uh, Martin Scorsese said, but you just were talking about the long takes and the, you know, like... (laughs) Well, yeah, and I really liked in that scene. I love that scene a lot. Like, it just, I, I thought it was, it was so, like, I could not take my eyes off of Kate. She was just amazing. Yeah. And, um, and I really liked um, this one line that her character was talking about, you know, when you're conducting, you are controlling time. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was very cool. Like, it made me, made me think in a way that I that I wouldn't have thought about conducting. Like when you think of conducting, you think of just setting the pace, keeping all of the musicians on tempo, but you're like, you're, you're controlling the time. And I thought that was really cool. I really liked it. Yeah. And like, you could see that as a version of this movie where she's in control and then she's not anymore. Um, Yeah. And you know, she does like her brother says when she walks into her old house, like, He's like, you know, you've really left a lot of loose ends. Not that it's any of my business. And and you're watching it and you're like, yeah, she really did. Like, there was no hiding her just complete, like, use of people. It was just, to her, it was not a problem, you know? And, like, why would she think that it would be a problem? Like, she never really wanted to hide anything until it was too late. Yeah, it wasn't until, like, Francesca kept getting those texts from and emails from from Krista, the student who, um, who uh, kills herself. Um, like she kind of starts trying to cover things up, like delete the emails of, of her, like basically saying, "Don't, don't hide, don't bring this person into your program. Like she's not, she's not good." Um, and you're just, and yeah, and then the way, again, the ambiguity is so interesting because in the beginning you're like, oh, this person's like blackmailing her or, you know, trying to like take advantage of, of Tar, but then it kind of flips and you're like, oh, who's the bad guy here? It's, it was very trippy. It's way trippy. Sure is. Yeah. Super trippy. Again, hold holding on to that palm tree. You're it's you're, you're flying sideways. That's that's the wind. You are up. Your feet are up. Your feet are off the ground, and you are hanging for dear life on this damn palm tree. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah no. I like I like that because like I said, it's not really like a lot of other movies, and it it doesn't really hold your hand. It's kind of just. Um, it's it's a really interesting movie, and I'm glad that it was made because this person, you know, Todd Field really 
made what he saw. Like, he produced something that was wholly original. And, you know, I love that. I, you know, we don't see a lot of that, so. Um. Yeah, another great line is when um, Petra's getting bullied and Lydia goes to school to drop her off and <laughs> walks up to the child who's who's bullying Petra and goes, Hi, I'm Petra's father. Yeah. <laughs> I love that line. I loved it so much. <laughs> yeah, she's like, you know, and then she was and so she threatens the child basically. Yeah, she she threatened the child. She's like, I will, I like, I will hurt you. I will or get you. I will get you. That's what she says. I will she's get like, you. And if you try to tell anyone about this, they're not going to believe you because I'm an adult and you're a child. <laughs> oh, she she says these things like out in the middle, like probably where people can see her. She says hi to people like. Her, her, like, ability to just not think that her, like, actions are fucked up in some way. Like, you can't just go up to a kid and threaten them. Like, the fact no, that she did that can't. is, like, you what? Can't. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you, you, you're automatically, like, this person is, is really skirting the line between, you know... Like, what kind of person would do that? What kind of person would go threaten a kid? <laughs> and I, I mean, guess it's this I, kind of person. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess that she, she couldn't have been all all right in the head. I mean, there's got there was there was <laughs> something there was something there, something going on. Okay. Oh man. All right. Any other interesting trivia, or should I do these plot keywords? No, I I looked through some, but it's all good. All right, so we've got orchestra, lesbian character, classical music, character name as title, and LGBT. Okay. Uh, this movie sure. got a 92 Metascore. Uh, Whoa. A 56 positive, three mixed, and zero negatives. And I am pretty sure that this is our highest rated movie that we've reviewed this year. I, I do not think... Holy shit. That anything has even come close to 92% this this year. Wow. Um, there'd be way more 100s. There's only one, two, three, four, five? Well, I guess because there's not a lot of lows. Oh, what's the lowest? Wait, wait. Let me see. That's true. I was looking at the wrong page. But one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Okay, no, there's a lot. There's a oh lot. My Never mind. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh my god, there's so many! Wait, wait, wait. What have you done? Jesus, Emily. Okay, well, okay, so I, I was still on, I, I think I was still on, like, the snapshot of, of the Metacritic on IMDb. I wasn't, like, fully on Metacritic's, like, website yet. So I was only seeing some of the 100s. So, oh my god, how many are on here? Like, fucking 20? Jesus, hold on. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 22, 24, 25, 26? Oh my god. 26? That is a record, dude. That is an actual fucking record. Like, I don't think we've ever seen. Oh my god. What? That's amazing. I know. Great, great Absolutely. job, Tar. 
Damn. All right. Uh, okay, let's see. Which one of these 50s do I want to read? Because this is it's the lowest we got. Um, I'll do the Wall Street Journal. Um, like its subject, the film is severe, dry, and painfully serious. But in the closing seconds, Mr. Field does at last deliver some relief with a visual joke that deals in a kind of cosmic comeuppance. It's by far the best part of the movie, but it arrives too late to make much of a difference. Up to that point, Tar is like listening to a slow, ominous roll on the timpani or for two and a half hours. I don't agree. Uh, yeah, that's... I, I think that's a bit... That's, that's really boiling it down to what it's not in a lot of ways, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. Trying to find meaning in this movie is... You know, I don't, I don't think that's what it, that's, there's, there's no meaning. It's just (laughs) people, people are assholes and sometimes they, they get, they get what's deserved. Um, okay. I'm going to read this Vulture 80. It says, we know where Tar is headed pretty much from its opening scenes, but that doesn't mean that the film shouldn't, shouldn't still surprise and shock us. Luckily, this is where Blanchett comes in, turning the movie from a moderately interesting to a topical one into something quite beautiful. She brings the energy and sensation that much of the rest of the film lacks. I can get behind that. Very true. Very true. Um, um, Pace wait, says it's God, tyrannical, wait. ruthless, and selfish, and Tar isn't so shallow as to suggest simple solutions outside the obvious. That's uh, mm. that's very true. Um, there's just so many good ones. It's like, oh, you you know, which green are you gonna pick? <laughs> pick one of the 100s, Emily. <laughs> oh, don't don't put this on me. Okay, I'll look. Th- I'm gonna look through one of these 26 100s and see which one I like the best. <laughs> Help me. I'm also gonna recount because I feel like I counted wrong. Um, no one but Blanchette could have delivered the imperious hauteur necessary for portraying a great musician heading for a crack-up or creative epiphany. No one but Blanchette has the right way of wearing a two-piece black suit with an open-necked white shirt, the way of shaking her hair loose at moments of abandon, the way of letting her face become a Teuton common mask of contempt. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. And I was correct. 26. Oh, 26 wow. Minutes. I can't believe you... Counted twice. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, this one's kind of interesting. I don't, I don't know if we've read from NME before. Yeah, they're um, a British uh, company. Oh. Uh, let's see. We've got Lydia Tarr isn't a real person, but this riveting film about the corrupting effects of power and privilege will make you think she is. That's partly because writer-director Todd Field has created a terrifyingly beautiful, believable character and the world that she presides over i like that yeah and i think that's probably why i didn't love uh glass onion and the kind of like people in that because they just felt so in a lot of ways very one-dimensional and Mm -hmm. you know i'm not saying that that's not exactly what they're supposed to be because they were but obviously each one of them could have a movie just like this (laughs) If they were written that way. 
I like this one too from, from Vox. Uh, to watch Tar properly requires mental uh, recursion. The surface of each scene is perfectly legible, but the full import of what you're watching is elusive till the end of, of the scene or even the sequence. The end of the film recasts everything that's come before it. It's like Kierkegaard's old saw embodied. Uh, life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. And there were like a lot of credits in the very beginning of the movie as well. Yeah, that was so interesting. I was like, I was like, did I, did the movie glitch? Like I thought, <laughs> yeah. I thought it was playing the end. I was like, what is happening? Um, yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. And it also starts off like, that's an amazing review. Thank you for reading that, Emily. It, it also starts off like. <laughs> so encompassing of like kind of read it's like reading reading her obituary of sorts right it's like a oh this is everything she's ever accomplished and one thing that she still hasn't and it is almost like an obituary so i bet you could watch this whole movie backwards and it would it would be a totally different you could watch it memento style (laughs) yeah ooh, that'd be interesting and it would still make no sense. <laughs> yeah. It wouldn't. Oh, goodness. <sighs> yeah, that's it. Oh, man. We're done? Yeah. Are we done? All right. No ambiguity here, people. We're done. Um, <laughs> that, <laughs> that was... That uh, was... That was All Quiet on the Western Front and Tar. Two movies nominated for Best Picture. Oh my goodness. Um, We've got so many more movies to watch. Um, But if you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher, and on IMDb. Uh, And we're also on Amazon Music, Spotify, and Acast. Uh, If you want to email us and say hello, please do that at allbythepopcornpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, please follow our social media. We have Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube. Just search Abba the Popcorn or Abba the Popcorn Podcast. And we also have merch. So please check that out. But thank you so much for listening. And we'll talk to you in the next one. Goodbye. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.